So lordship is another word we can use uh, to, to actually describe lordship is Christ-centered. Uh, uh, the, the, the word center, you know, is a place from which everything flows. And so it gives that uh, since we have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, then we live our life from that place of knowing him and everything we do flows from that place. And uh, another description that came into mind when describing the center is the force of gravity. Uh, the force of gravity is something we cannot see, but we know it's there. And without the force of gravity, everything else would orbit around space aimlessly. And so if we do not make Jesus the center of our lives, uh, most parts of our lives would orbit into space aimlessly. But when things are grounded and held into place by Jesus, what we find is that uh, they are able to fulfill their God-given purpose. Amen? Amen? So we are not the center. He is. Right? Amen. We are not the center of the universe. Jesus is. Amen? And However, the Lord Lordship is used a lot in the Bible, so we also need to describe its origins and what it actually means, uh, because it's also a word that we find a lot in Scripture, although the word Christ-centered is a word that we could relate to nowadays, right? So the word, the word Lord is the word Yahweh, right? It, it, it is the name God. And in the Old Testament, people knew it as the name of the Hebrew God, right? And uh, that was the original meaning to the word. So when you said Lord, you were actually meaning God. And uh, in the New Testament, we know that the New Testament, one of the languages used to write the New Testament is the Greek. So in the Greek, they translated this word to kurios or kairios, which meant master, it meant ruler, it meant one with authority or one that makes all the decisions, right? So, and I think the reason they translated this word lordship to be equated to master, ruler, and all these other synonyms was because they lived at a time where there were monarchs. Today we have governments that are elected by the people, but previously there were kingdoms, right? So as they were trying to equate this word, they looked at the people who had the most authority within society. And those people were kings and queens, right? So the word then uh, was translated to that. So it moved from being God to, yes, it didn't actually move, but it changed, meaning changed slightly. And um, so today, we use the word Christ-centered, as I mentioned, and we use it a lot synonymously to lordship because we know who our lord is he's jesus christ right uh, but also um the word has lost its meaning in a way as i've said uh, because today the word lord uh if you go to societies like england there are a group of people that are called the members of the house of lords right and these are people who are not the king or queen but they are also not the prime minister there are people who are given these titles based on their aristocratic uh, system of governance, uh, people who have uh, 
royal bloodline, right? But we know as well that um, in Romans 10, verse 9, that lordship of Jesus Christ is something we receive and accept through the confession of our mouth and an unwavering belief in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. It is not something that my daughter or son is passed on to them by virtue of me being a Christian. It is not the God of your parents only becomes your God when you reach an age of accountability to be accountable for your own life. And then you decide to choose God, to choose Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is not simply something that gets passed on uh, because you so happened to live within Christian circles. And I believe that's one of the issues we have with Christianity today. Um, on Friday, I and mean myself went out to do a bit of evangelism, and one of the people I met was a very dejected Christian. Um, she's someone who's a Christian because you can hear from how she speaks. Um, but what one of the things she says is, how come we have a country full of Christians, but we have one of the highest murder rate, we have one of the highest rape cases or situation, we have one of the highest gender-based violence issues, we have so much poverty, so much corruption in government, ESCOM is falling down, all in a country that is 90% Christian. It goes back to talk is cheap. So I talk for a living so that when I say that there's a bit of a because <laughs> I'm a lecturer Monday to Friday. So it's like a talk is cheap. So what does that make me? <laughs> but it is cheap and that is why in Romans 10 if we could put it up there. But the Bible says uh, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart. So in accepting Jesus Christ as Lord there's a there's a mouth confession that we need to make. And that mouth confession, confession is, a, it is a public declaration of what we have come to believe so that our peers and the people around us know the, the decision we have taken. But there's a second part to it where it says there's a belief in our hearts. Right? And that part is the part between the individual and God. Uh, we cannot see that part, but God sees it. Amen? I have a diagram here. Please put it up. It's taken from the one-to-one. -one. It's a diagram that gives the number of times the word Lord is shown in the New Testament and the book of Acts. Sorry, it got cut off at the end there, but the top part is Savior, and the bottom part is Lord. So, if you could see that, you can see that this lordship business is serious. So, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, Savior is mentioned 24 times in the New Testament and only twice in the book of Acts. Lord is mentioned 747 times and only 92 times in the book of Acts. But if you compare Savior and Lord, you can see the stark reality. And uh, 
I put that up because in the second Timothy 2 verse 15 the Bible says we must rightfully divide the word of truth we must rightfully interpret rightfully understand right rightfully handle God's word I believe it's so much easier to accept and receive God as Savior and not as Lord because Lordship demands obedience Lordship demands that we relinquish the right to choose and decide for ourselves. And we relinquish that right to God. So there comes an uncomfortable situation when we have to actually um, make those decisions. And uh, a commentary I was reading on Colossians says that Paul addressing the supremacy of God is an address to biblical foundation so as to correct spiritual error. So when we only know and understand Jesus as Savior, the Bible says we're in error. Because salvation and accepting God with a confession is only the beginning, but how we live and continue in living the Christian walk is through the Lordship, is through understanding that Christ is God He's the creator of everything. He's the master of it all. If you, there's a story Pastor Jacques tells about, um, I think it's uh, Roman soldiers who were converting to Christianity. So because their job was to go to war, when they would get baptized, I think the story goes, they would ask the person baptizing them that, so I will get baptized uh, with my sword and my hand up so it does not get down beneath the water because I still need to use it. So they're giving God every part of their body except the one they need to use the most. That's not the type of Christianity God calls us to. We need to relinquish everything. That's what lordship means. It means everything. And uh, the Bible says in Second Timothy 2.25, 26, that those who are in error are referred to as being in opposition to God and his truth. So sometimes we err in our understanding of Jesus from a sincere place. But being wrong sincerely does not make you any less wrong than if you were intently wanting to be wrong. So that is why it's important that as believers we start knowing God for ourselves. There's, there's this word called context. And someone once said, when you remove text out of context, you are left with corn. Now a corn is a corn artist, someone who rips people, uh, you know, someone who scams people and does all those things. So when we take the word of God out of its proper context, what we are left with is a ripoff, a scam. So it's important for us as believers to walk and continuously reflect if what we have come to believe is within the context of God or it is a ripoff, it is a scam. And there at the bottom I, I wrote from someone as well, I just don't remember. It's stuff that I've written in my notes over time. Moral, ethical, practical, behavioral patterns follow 
correct believing. When we have errors in how we believe, if we don't engage God from a Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, from a point or position of His Lord before everything else, there are errors sometimes that creep in. And one of the things we need to realize is the enemy has been alive since the first man. So he might not necessarily know the plans in the future of God, but he has a pretty good understanding of human beings. And, uh, and sometimes some of us, we think that when the enemy comes, he's going to call that black-colored speaker white. No, he isn't. That's too obvious. He's going to call it purple. Something very close, similar to it, but that is not it. And so we find over the last while, Christians or believers believing things that are just close to being true, but not quite. And that then leads to moral, ethical, and practical behavioral patterns being in error. And a big part of this comes with missing foundational topics like this, lordship. It's a very hard sermon to preach because it's very offensive to you. It's very uncomfortable because as I, I thought, I actually forgot because I was going to say to you today, um, be gracious to me as I preach this sermon because if you see parts of me that are not submitted to the Lordship of Christ, don't go and... Uh, <laughs> I'm only by preaching the Word of God and I'm also in this journey of life trying to constantly uh, review my own life and submit it under His Lordship. But nonetheless... We have to have integrity and say and preach uh, the word of God as it is written, not as it is comfortable to our ears. One of the, some people criticize worship music today as we sing it. I, I didn't believe or I didn't, I felt it's those people who want to create ministries around just criticizing what everyone else is doing. I don't like those people. Mistakes will come, no one's perfect, but people are trying their best to worship God as best as they can. But after listening to a number of people say this, I, I, I told myself, let me just pay attention to what they're saying. And what I got from what they're saying is, I understood where they're coming from. They say that worship music today is all about self. It's all about how I love God, how I do this or that, and very little of it. So if you sing the hymns of old, they were really about Jesus. They were focused about on God, not on myself. You know, they were focused very much on how we were not worthy, but his love was above that. You know, so there's a slight distinction with today's worship music. And when I, when I reviewed some of my favorite worship songs, I, I saw bits and pieces of that. It's not that the worship is wrong, but the, the, there's those things of the word, what's the thing? Unintended consequences of certain things is that we then become people who are very individual in our thinking or understanding, and not realize that it's not about us. We are not the center of the universe. He is. So where he goes, we go. What he says, we do. Amen? So, um, you can put up the next slide. I think, yes. So, salvation outside of lordship is a trick, it's a scam, it's a ripoff, as I've said. And uh, Acts 2.36 says, 
Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Savior. So Christ means the anointed one. What is the anointed to do? To save us from a life of sin. So he is both Lord and he is both Christ. He is not one or the other. He is both. And when we receive him, we also need to receive the lordship that he brings. Amen? Um, the, this lordship and salvation um, is almost like grace and faith. I believe we cannot truly understand the grace of God sorry, without understanding faith. And sometimes it's so easy to gravitate towards the grace of God. But we don't understand that it's both. When, um, when, when I think it's James, when he says faith without works is dead. You know, there's a documentary I think I was watching about these young American kids that get caught up in a web of criminality from a young age. And so they follow them around and um, you find two different types of people. You find one who they commit these acts of criminality at a young age. When they're less than 18, they're not sent to jail or prison, the adult prison. They're sent to sometimes these camps in the country where they are rehabilitated and they ride horses, they are trained into manhood because most of it stems from broken family structures where there is um, fatherless households, uh, the mother is um, on drugs and things like that. So at 13, 14, they have to learn to survive on their feet and um, in trying to do that, they get caught up in the web of criminal activities, so they stab each other, they shoot each other, whatever the case is. But what you find is, whilst all of them are still within the safe net of the rehabilitation center or the farm they are in, everyone is on their best behavior. So because the environment has changed, right? So you get to see that this was not actually the first choice they would have chosen. It was Mostly of them, it was the situation they had found themselves in, right? But where you get to see that the person has truly understood that one, they were guilty, and two, they are appreciative of actually being uh, pardoned, because being taken there is almost equivalent to being pardoned, because you sleep there in a comfortable bed, there's so much activity and life skills, you get to continue your education. Now when they are released back to the neighborhoods, one or two things happen. Some of them who had just changed because they were in a sticky situation, so it was either given two choices, you either go to jail or you go to re this rehabilitation center. Some of them who, yes, so one of two situations happened. Some of them who actually changed internally and were actually grateful for the opportunity to being pardoned, even though they knew that they, was, they were guilty as charged. They will then continue going to school or the mother makes a plan for them to change neighborhoods and they actually thrive. But some of them get back 
into the gang life and they continue. And you see that the sincerity they show at the beginning when they're given two choices, either to go to jail or this camp, it was actually just to get out of a stick situation, not because they had actually appreciated the process that the government there took. So for me, it was just a, a good picture of understanding uh, faith and grace, of understanding salvation and lordship. Some of them choose to then obey and live under the covering of the law that is given, and they follow the rules or whatever it is they are said to, to, to do. And so, um, I'm not sure how I got there, but I did. So <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> so one of the words I, I enjoy uh, using or I like that describes lordship is the word preeminence. And this word says, preeminence is first place with no close second. It's when we make Jesus first place in our hearts and there's no close second. Not my wife, not my kids, not my mother, not my father, not my career, not my money, not my ideas, not my future, not my past, not my church, not my pastor, not my leader, not my anything. First place, no close second. And uh, because I like sport, I put up a picture here for you. So this is a... <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> so in the race of life, there are many voices in our heads. There's the voice of God, a voice of the enemy, a voice of our peers, your wife's voice, your mom's voice. <laughs> do this, do that. <laughs> so, hey, is my wife here? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that is South Korea, I think. Olympic Games, maybe 80s or 90s. Nolene is nodding, so must have been. And the winning... So, so in the 100 meter race, this is by a mile. This is a lot. Because those guys are quick, right? And two, if a race is close in the 100 meters, they lunge across the line. But you can see the winner has had his hand raised even before he crosses, right? So there's really no competition. He's even looking at the guys thinking, am I running alone here? What's happening, boys? <laughs> so... You can go to the next picture. Now, the contrast to this is a photo finish. So in races, this happens in, sport, in uh, horse racing and other races as well. So a photo finish occurs in a sporting race when multiple competitors cross the finish line at nearly the same time. So because the naked eye may not be able to discriminate between which of the competitors crossed the line first, a photo or a video is taken at the end of the finish line to give an accurate check of who won or who crossed the line first. Now, this is not lordship. When Jesus is meant to be number one with no close second, but we find that there are so many other competing interests in our lives that you cannot really distinguish where Jesus is. Has he won or has he not? We need a microscope to blow it up to see, are you a Christian or are you not? Our response to Lordship 
in our lives is obedience. So those two scriptures are one of the scriptures that give me sleepless nights sometimes. Difficult to explain. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. It gives sleepless nights because it would be a tragedy for us to commune, congregate here and not see each other there. Be a tragedy. And it's one of those scriptures we don't speak about a lot, but they're in the Bible, so we need to visit them sometimes. It even says on the other verse or some, uh, that you cast out demons in my name, but I will say I never knew you. How, how do you, so it, you know, how do, how do you reconcile those two things? So, so it is things that we need not to be ignorant of because our lives um, depend on it. You can go to the next slide. Um, Pastor Philip, I think one of the campus conferences we attended in Joburg, he was preaching and then he says the church has lordship problems, not commitment problems. And when I spoke to the lady on Friday, um, and she mentioning all of these things about how do we reconcile that we are Christians in numbers, but that does not translate to our society. How does that happen? And you realize that Christians in South Africa are the biggest is or are the biggest organizations over ANC members, DA members, EFF members, IFP members, COPE members, whatever your political party is. And I'm not saying Christians should open political party and support that. What I'm saying is that Christian in the EFF, in the DA, in the IFP, when they are in parliament, why are they not agreeing on the things that are a standard, biblical standard? And just disagree on the other things because they are not the same and I don't mind that we are not the same. But why is it that we are not speaking with a strong voice? We would rather lose the benefits of being parliamentarians in numbers if there are certain things that are against the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Why is that not happening? In South Africa today, ABSA Bank, Standard Bank, F&B, have a division of Islamic banking, Sharia banking, right? Sure. The Islam community is statistically, they are not a significant amount within the general population of the country. But they speak with one voice to the extent that they move one of the big, banking is a complicated, you don't just talk to banks and you say we want this, reduce the interest rate. No, it doesn't happen. But because of how united they are as a community, as small as they are, they are able to move banks into setting up divisions that dictate to the bank how you borrow to an Islam person. 
And how is it that we are believers in so many numbers, or we claim or we say we are believers? We are spread out across every sector of this country. We can easily solve all the problems that we face if we understand the foundations of Christianity and learn to speak with a united voice, I believe we can move government, we can move things. But what we do is, the minute a politician arrives at a rally and sees that there are church members here, he quotes a scripture and we all get excited that, no, that one is a Christian. Yeah, no, he's a Christian. That's what we do. The, the, the last two presidents in South Africa were very good at doing that. The current one and the previous one. They go to churches to do rallies and yes, we have to pray for governments. Yes, we have to uh, yes, do all of that and not only complain. But the church is being used to advance political issues for individuals and we are not waking up to the fact that are those people living according to the Lordship of Christ? What standard of governance are they using for us to allow them to have such an influence over our people? Greedy politicians are much more organized than Christians. They are also people with a very small number. Politicians do not represent all of us. Greedy politicians do not represent black people. They do not represent white people. They do not represent coloreds. They do not represent Indians. Sometimes we need to say it like it is. Not, they are not a representation of all of us. But most of us who are supposed to be there, or some have went, but they've gotten burnt because the very same Christians are supporting people with no moral campus. I'm a Christian standing in the gap, but the very same people who are supposed to be pushing me forward are being bought by greedy politicians to drive our country to the drain. How do we reconcile that? How do we yeah, how, how, how do we yes, how do we how do we Lordship is protection. Um, when we make Jesus our Lord, we are saved from our separation from God as we walk the Christian life and we make Jesus Lord over areas of our lives. Those areas are protected and we are saved in those areas uh, from the snares of the enemy. When we choose to ignore the Lordship of Jesus Christ over certain areas, we give legal right to the enemy to operate. God has set out a way in which we ought to walk and live this Christian life. And when we step outside of that way, we don't lose our Christianity because it is a gift from God. That's what I believe, right? If when you pray that prayer, you were very sincere in your heart and you were unwavering in your belief, I believe God honors that and sees that. And once God has given, it doesn't take away. But we do sometimes lose our way. And it's fine. But you just need to step back in line. Because we step outside of the protection of God. There are certain things that happen in our lives as a consequence of the actions that we've taken. 
And God is gracious to give us a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth chance. We just need to repent of our sins and find our way back from it. And continue. Lordship begins in the heart. Submitting to Jesus Christ is not about following a set of religious rules and traditions. Rather, that lordship is a matter of the heart. Lordship begins as an internal submission because of the hope that we have in our hearts. This kind of hope, if genuine, will eventually manifest itself outward obedience. So we can't see the heart. Only God can. So it is to each individual to make sure that that which you have come to believe is truly from your heart. You're not putting up a performance. You are not living to impress anyone. But you are living just to impress him. And, and you are settled in your heart that what I do is driven or directed by what I see him do. Um, lordship is a continuous walk. Um, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. So I think Paul, somewhere in the letters he writes, is asking um, some of the churches that you started off well in the truth, you started off well in God, why now have you decided to walk your own way? So here I believe he's one of those places where he's unctioning the church that let us continue walking in the truth that is Jesus is Lord. He says whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. There's another place in the Bible that says by the love that we have for one another, people will see and realize that we are not of this world, but we are of heaven. So let us make sure that uh, we walk in a way that is easy for people to see. But no, that one is different. People might judge you from afar when you are still at arm's length because people will always have something to say. But the minute they walk close to your vicinity and spend time with you, there should be something or a lot of things about you that says to them that no, something is different with this person. And we'll be amazed at how attractive what we carry is. And sometimes it comes in resistance, but people know when something is good. When our lives are good, when we go through struggles, but don't compromise on integrity and all those things. People see that and, and they want it for themselves. As we were worshipping, I remembered something Musa used to say. I wrote it down somewhere. The gospel is free, but it's not cheap. It's free of charge, but it's not cheap. It cost God everything. It cost him everything. So then let us live worthy of the calling. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za and for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb@gmail.com at gmail.com or send a message to 61 
0877-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.